Welcome to Spark, a health and wellness podcast where we teach high-achieving superwomen how to put their health and happiness back on the top of the to-do list. I'm Angela Wagner, a yoga studio owner, life and wellness coach, mama of two, and wife of one. Nicole is off today, but with me is a dear old friend, Tom Allen, and I'm super, super pumped about today's session. We're going to talk about all things stress. So let me tell you a little bit about Tom. Tom and I met years ago, which we may tell you the story, in the yoga world. He's a yoga teacher by night, but his day job is a licensed professional counselor in Plano, Texas. He has provided psychotherapy and personal development coaching for more than 25 years with his very cool company called Prana Dynamics. Although the clients he works with have diverse challenges, they all have one thing in common, the desire for wellness, as do you all listening to this podcast. His focus is to help successfully navigate through the changes and challenges of life using a mindfulness approach, which of course we love here, that is both brief and solution oriented. He helps clients to achieve the peace and balance they need for happiness. He is most passionate in creating mental, physical, and spiritual wellness. His practice promotes sustainable solutions for optimal health. Ah, it's so beautiful. Welcome, Tom. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay, so we kind of have to tell them how we met. And it's funny because I think that I, I had forgotten how we met until recently. You you reminded me. Tell us the story. Well, I mean, I know I'm trying to remember. So you said we met at 24 Hour Fitness, right? Right, right. We both were teaching yoga, but this was like almost 20 years ago. <laughs> Back in the day, right. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. So it's funny because we, so Tom and I, I, for those of you that don't know, I own a studio in Dallas and I've had it for 15 years, yoga sport. And we've just connected through the yoga community, even though like I'm just more South in Dallas and you've been more North in Plano and Frisco. And so I just sort of assumed we had met in the yoga community. Like I don't, I didn't even remember that it was like, you know, I feel like that was almost like a different lifetime ago when we mm-hmm. taught, you know, but as we say, we're the dinosaurs of the yoga teaching world and we are still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So it's fun. But I'm so excited because in all the years I've known you, I mean, I've always known what you did, but we really haven't talked much about it. And then, so I just am so excited to kind of dive in and get to know this side of you and how you help people. So as I kind of prepped you before, it's like that most of the people that listen to this podcast are women, although we do have some men and certainly all the men listening, this will apply or could apply, most likely apply to you as well. Would you say that a good majority of your clients are women? Yes, pretty much. Women, working professionals, stay-at-home moms, everything in between. But um, I like that you are mentioning the guys because stress does not play favorites. It transcends gender. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of times the weight is put or like the focus is put on the woman. And so, and, you know, our society in general, not really... I I think it's getting better, but not encouraging men to express their emotions and identify a lot of these stressors. I think it's, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but I think that's a really important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think about it a lot because I'm raising a very, very sensitive five-year-old and, Mm. you know, I'm trying very hard to be very conscious about listening to him and letting him feel and letting him know that it's okay and that it's good, you know? Okay. So why did you get into this? Tell us a little bit about the start of your journey. Oh, the start of the journey. Well, I think it all kind of boils down to just this desire to help, to help and heal. I came from family that worked in the healthcare industry and I just really was taught from an early age about uh, being of service. 
And I like to do that professionally and in my personal life. So I just, that's kind of my driving force day to day, my mantra, my prayer every morning, you know, may I be of service. That's awesome. And you do that in so many ways. I mean, you do it through your yoga, through your counseling, and then you also have a nonprofit that you do so many good things with. So I love that you really live that. Okay. So talk to us about stress. It's become almost cliche in a way, right? It's like the stress, the stress, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And it's almost sometimes I feel like we wear it as a badge of honor, you know, like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us about it. What is it? How do you define it? What are some things that we need to be looking for that are warning signs? Because we know a little bit of stress can be good, but that's not really what we're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, stress is our body's reaction to a harmful situation. So I think first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that stress is not the enemy. It doesn't mean that we need it in all moments of every day. And that's the challenge that we get into is this self-perpetuating stress mode that we kind of becomes the new norm. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's like I almost don't know some days what it would feel like to just not be stressed. Mm -hmm. So you obviously see that a lot in your practice. I would assume by the time someone goes to counseling or is seeking help, then they're usually at a pretty heightened state. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. But almost with it being the norm for we often don't even realize the amount of stress. I mean, of course, we know logically the amount of items on the to-do list and calendar, but we like to convince ourselves, oh, you know, we're doing fine. (laughs) These things are falling apart for some other reason, not because I'm stressed. Oh, I love that you said that. So this is kind of a parallel situation. So I was at massage therapist who does this like trigger point massage. When I started going to her, I mean, she's like a magician. I mean, she's amazing. Mm. And she does the whole thing with her eyes closed and she just feels right in. I mean, she just like hits every spot and you're like, ah. Um, (laughs) But I mean, so when I first went to her, she was just like, I mean, I couldn't believe how many trigger points I had and I get regular headaches. So it makes total sense. But I mean, she just honed in on them and she said, it's amazing how, what did she say? Something like how used to we get living with such like a heightened sense of pain And she's like, when you've lived with this kind of chronic pain for so long, you don't even realize that it's that bad because it's your new norm. And I think that's so similar with stress, whether it's physical pain or mental or emotional. So how do we, I mean, that for me was a huge defining moment. Mm -hmm. How do we, you know, if we're walking through our days and we know it's, you know, you're like, okay, well, I work a full-time job and I have a couple kids. And I mean, like, if you look at your life in general, if you've got a lot of stuff in your buckets, like, okay, well of course I'm stressed, right? So how do you know like when it's beyond what you, sh- I don't want to say normal because I hate that word, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. you and me like what is normal? <laughs> I, I cringe <laughs> how do you- when you use that word. <laughs> yeah, well, so how do you know when you need to look at it? Well, again, I think that, as I said, it's a reaction, which I think is an operative word, reaction to harmful situations. And that, what's interesting is that harmful situation is, sort of in the, in the eye and the mind of the beholder, because harmful is whether it's real or it's perceived. So of course, we want to be stressed if we're in a real life harmful situation, but the brain doesn't know the difference between what is really a danger to us and what we imagine to be dangerous to us. So it's going to handle you know, someone cutting you off on the freeway where you have to sort of panic and slam on the brakes and swerve. You, you want that moment of stress, but the feelings or the fear of your 
world, as it were, kind of falling apart or not being able to keep up with the juggling or being criticized or not being enough, like all the mind games that we get into that keep us trying to keep all the plates spinning, well, the brain, the body is going to handle that stress the same as a real life harmful situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, there's always a bear chasing us essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And reaction. Again, that's the operative word for what we're trying to look at is making a shift from being in a fearful sort of reactive mode to a response mode. So yes, there's a lot on the calendar, a lot on the to-do list, but how can we get to this place of responding to what we need to do and what's important and, you know, and all of that versus being in this state of reaction? Yes. And it, it's so true. I mean, we talk about this all the time in yoga and mindfulness training of that it's it's all in the reaction, right? Because you can you can have the exact same scenario that two different people are living and mm-hmm. two completely different outcomes or lives, right? Like because they're choosing to react in a different way, right? When but there's like dealt the same cards. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. I know a lot of times people don't love that answer, but I always like to look at it as like, that's empowering because we can control it. You know, like that's, that's awesome. Right. Cause if, if it was something like, well, you're just going to have to feel this way and you're going to have to react negatively and you got to just live with it. Well, that would suck, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, it's letting the situation really be in the driver's seat. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. So what are some Signs and symptoms. I mean, because so we talked about this before we recorded. It's like I said to you something like, I'm sure you wish people would come to you before it's like not too late, but like so intense that it's like, you know, a really, I feel like a lot of times we go seek help or we go to therapy or we go to the doctor when it's like so in our face and it's like not in a place where. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. It's just like, <laughs> like at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to put a label on it, but we know when we feel it and it's sort of, we're like, okay, you're my last hope. Work a miracle here. (laughs) Right. So um, when, like, what are some of the signs and symptoms that you think we should be aware mm, of and just paying attention to? How much time do we have? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hours. Yeah. Hours. Hours. I mean, signs and symptoms, they are probably what you have felt and would imagine to things that you may not even identify as stress related. I mean, they break down into having emotional symptoms, there's physical symptoms, there's mental behavioral symptoms. And when clients come through the door, they have any and all of them checked off on the list, but certainly becoming moody, agitated, frustrated, overwhelmed is is a big one that I see. Self-esteem issues, you know, just moms that feel like they're not able to keep up. They, they start to take it personal, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so people taking it personally, feeling bad about themselves, energy issues, any kind of physical you know, headaches, insomnia, oh, aches and pains. I'm starting to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the it's list amazing. is exhausting, yeah, it, right? it, it, it just goes on and on. Uh, mental, of course, is a lot being in this field that I deal with, worrying, judgment, forgetfulness, the inability to focus, you know, that is a big one. Just feeling like I have so much and I don't know where to start and just spinning our wheels, spending a lot of time on things that aren't important, sort of having them in the same bucket as things that truly are important to our lives. And isn't that so often a distraction mechanism from like 
really doing the things we need to be doing or looking at what we really need to be looking at? Yeah, it can be a distraction, but it can also just be, I think, just a symptom of having just too much on the plate. You don't Mm. know really where to start. Yeah. So you just tackle the quick, easy stuff just Just, so you can get something off the list. Exactly. I really well, that. The, our, I think, you know, just coming back to this idea of being under the, the constant stress, it, it sort of warp, warps our point of view and gets our inner barometer sort of out of whack. So it's, it's miscalibrated. And so something that we might spend a lot of time on because we feel like, well, you know, this is going to happen if I don't, or this person's going to think this of me, or, you know, what would happen if I, if I don't do that? So we do that. And it's not that that thing is, isn't important, but it may not be as important as something that we are really neglecting or avoiding or procrastinating. And then that becomes its own new source of stress that we've wasted time or missed out or dropped the ball or whatever. So it just becomes this really vicious cycle. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So to be clear, though, we don't want to wait till we have like 10 of these things, right? Like, right, (laughs) right, like 10 symptoms to if there's just like one or two that seem like they're heightened, then that might be a good play time to go, okay, I should probably deal with this, look at it, make some changes before because I feel like at least for me as being a woman who just like, you know, has so much going on. It's like, I can just like push it down, push it down, push through, mm-hmm. push through, push through. But then like this last year, I hit a wall and my body and my mind were like, no. And so eventually we can't do it anymore, right? Like, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our body is designed to handle small doses of stress, but we're really not equipped as it were. We're not equipped to handle long-term stress without there being consequences. So we're talking about down the road. And, and I think what you're trying to say is how do we address this, get a handle on it, start to work on it before we're so far down the path that we've got this overwhelming amount of symptoms to have to sort through. Yeah, exactly. So, cause we did, yeah, we stopped the podcast in like April of 2018 and it was because I had hit a wall. So when we rebooted a couple of weeks ago, I shared a little bit more about my story and you know, I, it's taken me a long time to really share it with people because I'm a health and wellness professional and I'm supposed to be the face of health and all the things you're supposed to do. And here I was like completely suffering. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important for me to share it because, and that's like part of my goal in the second season is to really help people identify some of these things before they get to that point. Because I mean, I just think like, especially in our society, I feel like we're almost taught to like wear the stress as a badge Mm -hmm. of honor, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that because we are rewarded for being overstressed, overworked, overdoers. And yeah, I even notice it in my own personal life, just how many, I start trying to become aware of, I'm a big believer in languaging and I start to notice just how many phone calls from my friends start off with, what are you doing? As opposed to, you know, how are you? What's new? Or just you get into this exchange of, to me, that's code for like, how busy are you? <laughs> right, right. Because that's like so, defines it. It's kind of like the first thing you say at a party is like, what do you do for a living? Yeah, it's like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? What do you do? Yeah. What, are, you know, what are you up to? What, what's on your plate? <laughs> Let's compare yeah. plates. But we're really in this society that rewards that for men and women. So I fully acknowledge that and talk to clients about that. This is what we're up against. You and I are living in this world where having too much, doing too much, 
too much, too much, too much is rewarded. And so we have to acknowledge that when you step out of this sacred space with me, you're going to be hit from your family, from the media, from society, from your coworkers, from the PTA. You're going to be hit with this. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong, but we just need to be aware that you're going to constantly be fed this message. Now, you have a choice. And part of our work is to get you back into the driver's seat of your life to where you can decide, are you going to turn right or turn left? Are you going to follow the guidance, the suggestions, the pressure? Or are you going to start to make some of your own choices to what works and what is sustainable? Oh, I love that. I love everything about what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that when we were talking privately before this is you you said when someone is overwhelmed, like where do they even start? And I think that again, back to the mindset, we're talking about being in this mindset of doing, doing, doing. And so naturally when we step into a therapeutic situation, the first question is, okay, what do I do? Like I'm, I'm having these symptoms, I'm feeling this way, what do I do to fix it? Fix me, and, fix me. <laughs> yeah. And while that is part of the process, as you know, in our, in our talks over the years, I'm just a big believer in awareness. And I think awareness, we rush past the awareness and just get into like, how do I fix it? What do I do? And so to someone that already is doing too much, the last thing you want is one more item on the checklist. Okay, now I've got to do something about all the stuff that I'm doing. And while, again, while you, we're going to get to that, I think that just having a breath, having a moment of awareness is so important. Oh, it is. As a starting point. It's not a be-all, fix-all, but as a starting point. And so, you know, what I would say to someone listening right now that, that's feeling overwhelmed, feeling any of the, you know, few symptoms that I listed and, and the ones that are telling you that you're stressed, first, I would say thank you, because I think that there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of really great things and changing the world and raising our future generation. And they don't get the acknowledgement and the accolades that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. But take a breath. <laughs> Take a breath <laughs> because in that moment of breathing, we're making some space, right? And so in that space, there's some awareness. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And then we start to get into, you know, into the work. Yes. That's so key, right? That's, of course, the first thing we talk about in yoga always is the awareness, the breath, the space. You have to or or, or you're just going back into stress to try to figure out how mm -hmm. to get rid of stress. It's like yeah, Exactly. We're constantly in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yeah. I mean, it's just like perpetuating the cycle. Okay. So if someone knows, okay, I know this is me, I will have awareness and recognize that it's probably a little more than I should have. I mean, I, I, again, I keep wanting to say the word, it's not normal, but that's, that's a terrible thing. Plus, I think what sadly, what's normal now is actually just a heightened state of constant stress. So we don't mm -hmm. want that. Right. But once people have sort of identified, okay, I think that I need to make a, a change or two. And again, like, I just want to keep saying this, ladies, and any gentleman listening is like, don't let it get to where you, you know it's awful. If you just have an intuitive hit that you're going down that path, listen to it. 
okay, well, talk to me a little bit about what like your method and some of the things that you do or, you know, just something around this. Like what's something that, what's one thing that people could do? Well, so we, so we start with awareness, um, acknowledging that there's a challenge. And I understand and agree with your struggle with the word normal. And, and I don't think that it really has to be a discussion around this isn't normal or normality, because what does that even mean? But acknowledging that something isn't working. And I think yeah. having those inner feelings of overwhelmed, depression, feelings of loss of control, just being any of those signs or symptoms, that is, that's actually a good thing. You know, the, we tend to make pain in its many forms, physical and emotional pain. We tend to think of that as the enemy, but really it's just a sign that something needs to change. So that is something that we could feel grateful for that. I am at least having this awareness that something isn't working, something needs to change. And then I guess the next step is just assessing the situation. And so once someone is able to become aware of just how stressed they are or just how much something needs to shift in their life, then assessing what we're dealing with. You know, any good organization specialist, if you ever watch those shows, they'll drag everything out of the closet, everything out of the room, everything out of the the space to assess the situation. Like, what exactly are we dealing with here? Mm -hmm. Um, And that can mentally, emotionally can be a real challenge because when everything is so packed in and so jumbled together, then the antiques, the heirlooms, the valuables are sort of mixed in with the emotional junk mail. And it's hard to have, when you're living in it, everything feels important. Yes, isn't that so Everything feels urgent, everything feels necessary, and part of the work that I help guide clients with is assessing the situation, like making lists or looking at everything that's on the agenda, on the plate, on the list of responsibilities, and just to assess, okay, what exactly am I dealing with here? Does that yeah. make sense? It makes total sense. It's, I'm okay. huge into simplifying like physical spaces and or I hate to say I used to say organizing, but really more simplifying and decluttering. Mm, and that's right, exactly right. it. Is like my friend who's a professional, that's the first thing she taught me is like you can't just like go through the closet, like you said, and like just pick stuff out. Like you have to literally take it all out, reorganize, you know, like put it in a pile. And I was I hated that part when I first started <laughs> doing it about five years yeah. ago because I was like, well, I guess, but now I'm like, oh, that actually helps you permanently make a change in your closet or in your brain because it's like there's always stuff hiding the dusty, you know, spider webs and the like, you know, the clutter is like in the way back. And so unless you like completely take it out, you're never going to know it's there. Right, right. I love that analogy. Well, and I, I think that approach also, I mean, at least my hope when I work with clients on this is that I'm helping them to feel like they are, again, to use the analogy, back in the driver's seat, like they mm-hmm. are deciding what stays and what goes. If we don't do that and we just keep piling on and piling on or packing in, packing in, some stuff goes, but it goes because of outside external forces. So the balls get dropped, we get fired, friendships 
decline or cease to be, you know, people walk away. And so those external deciding forces take stuff off our plate. Like, okay, you do something about this or the universe is going to do something about this, but you can't just keep putting in, putting in, putting in to your already overflowing list of responsibilities. Oh, and I so, love what you just said. That's so key though. I'm sorry to just interrupt you, but no, like no, no. that just like spoke to my heart because I think a lot of times when those things happen, like you lose a job or a relationship or a friendship, we don't necessarily equate those things, right? That it's like, right. okay, well, this happened and it was, you know, not in a, like a direct result of, you know, me and my mood and managing the stress, right? Like we just sort of think like we stay in that victim space of like this happened, you know? Right, right, right. Ah, and then it's so yeah. brilliant. Oh. Hey Sparkers, it's Angela here. I wanted to tell you about an awesome tool that I have that's free for you that you can go get right now at angelawagner.com. It's a one-page PDF with five simple actionable steps that you can actually take today to lower your stress levels. And so often when we get advice about lowering stress, it's a very long and complicated process. And of course, like the big work is, but I have for you five easy wins that you can literally do in a day that will lift off that top layer of overwhelm and stress. So go to my website, AngelaWagner.com. It's on the front page, a little button, grab my guide, and it'll go right to your inbox. So just really being able to get to that place of assessment maybe highlight and focus on what's valuable. Again, on the valuable items or the antiques or the family heirlooms, but you know, we can do that with our action items as well. And sometimes what used to be important maybe isn't as important anymore or is no longer important, but we just get in this rinse and repeat mode with our life and, and not realize that you know a lot of the, or some of the things maybe that are on my to-do list, some of the things that I've spend a lot of time on maybe aren't at this stage in my life that important and can I make room and space and energy toward nurturing those things that are being neglected or things that have completely fallen off of my priority list. Yeah, that's something I'm working with right now. I'm taking this course on productivity and there's mm. this whole like two weeks on saying no and re revaluing what your goals are and everything on your to-do list having to be attached to one of those big goals. And it was mm. kind of an eye-opener for me. I'm like, I've been doing this coaching work for all the time and I know all this stuff. And then it just hit me. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, he said like, go back this week and look at your stuff, all the stuff you did and see what you could have taken off your list. That's not part of your three big goals. And it was like, this major thing sitting in my inbox. And I was just helping out someone that's a colleague of mine. And I said yes to helping her with something. And I looked at it and I went, oh my gosh, there it is. Like that's going to chew up like probably five hours mm. of my life and it's going to put stress. And then I feel this responsibility towards her. And I'm like, I could have just said no. Imagine that. <laughs> I know. And I do or think no, women especially you. are not good at uh, that. <laughs> right, right, right. I hear that all the time. I just, I can't say no. Yes, you can. <laughs> Let's practice right now. <laughs> Repeat after me. No, but uh, it just as a sidebar, if you have trouble saying no, try saying no, thank you. That's a good one. Because no, thank you comes from a place of gratitude. Can you serve yeah. on this committee? Can you do this? Can you make the cook cupcakes like you always do? 
But no thank you is, it includes no, but it's a way of practicing gratitude that the person thinks enough of you to, to ask you. Yeah. And I'll say too, like, there's a, two things I've noticed with this practice I've been doing in the last couple of weeks is like, one, there's a massive amount of stress that I feel when I say yes, when I really mean no. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm actually more stressed, A, because I have to do this thing and I don't have time. But B, because I'm like sort of beating myself up internally going, why did I say yes? Right. Exactly. And then the other thing is like, I'm a person, I'm generally like, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And what I've noticed as a pattern, so I will, to my own fault, I'm not saying this is a good characteristic. <laughs> I will kill myself because my integrity and my word means everything. So mm. I will kill myself to make sure I follow through on whatever I say yes to. And on the other side of that, I'll say being someone who kind of like, that's the way I live. So I expect other people to do that. So when people say yes to me and then they don't follow through, it is like, it is so hard for me. It's, Mm. I can't even explain it because I'm like, if you say yes, you should mean yes. And so just know what it feels like for the other person. If you say yes, when you don't really mean it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's worse. Just tell me you're not going to do it. And then I can go find someone that will, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of other, yeah. Yeah. It it undermines trust because you want to be able to trust, trust yourself and trust others that are words sacred. Yeah, absolutely. But I like that you're talking about the dichotomy of yes and no, because I don't think that we often realize or think about or acknowledge that every yes has a no attached to it and every no has a yes attached to it. So the shadow side. So every time I say yes to something, I'm not always looking at unless, again, this mindfulness work, okay, if if you're saying yes to one more thing, what are you saying no to? Yes. Oh my gosh. I say that in my coaching all the time. And Mm. what's so great about that is people, that's a game changer, I think, because a lot of times you know, that's not necessarily the way we think of things, but it's huge. And that's what I didn't do with this thing. I just was like, sure, I'll help. And then <laughs> yeah. So what did you, at the moment you raised your hand, <laughs> what, what were you saying no to? And you know that, yeah, absolutely. It's a game changer. There's anytime I share this, there's that, you can see the light, you know, going on that aha moment of, wow, I never thought of that. I raised my hand and I actually said no to this thing that is important to me that I say yeah. is important, but I'm not treating it like it's important. And the opposite is true. You know, we're hardwired to seek pleasure and to avoid pain. And so looking at the pleasurable side, if you, if I say no or no thank you to serving on one more committee or taking on one more task or whatever it is, what am I saying yes to? And looking at the, what is the reward? What's the consequence that's going to come from from saying no. Yeah. Because I think we get into that mindset that there's going to be a punishment, there's going to be judgment, or in sometimes the call is coming inside the house. So there's the judgment from within us, which is the most damaging. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, gosh, that that voice inside can be a total, you know what, I'm Mm -hmm. keeping it clean. I try to keep it clean because I have kids and I like listening to podcasts in my car. So I'm like, I have a commitment in season two that we we will bleep out any. (laughs) So So definitely it's a challenge, but but being able to do the reframing work of seeing the work as a long-term reward. Yes. And also, what if, what if saying no to something just means you have more space just space. Like, cause that's yeah. something that I've always struggled with and I'm really, really loving now is like, what if I 
don't have something on my calendar? What Mm -hmm. if I actually (laughs) could wake up and just see what I felt like doing? Like, I don't know how to operate that way. And obviously I don't mean like not go to your job or things like that. But like even with like the kids now, we're trying to like not overschedule the weekends with all these things. Cause I'm like, a lot of times somebody doesn't feel well, or we just, you know, it's like, we don't have any, if we do that, we don't have any room to move or to just sort of feel what's right in the moment. We just have to stick to the schedule. And then I think that perpetuates stress too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boredom is not a bad thing. Boredom is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It gets um, a bad rap, but I love that. I love what you're saying. Just making space because things can fill in that space above and beyond what we can imagine. So we're leaving space for creativity. I mean, creativity cannot, it can't exist in an overpacked place. Oh, it's so true. And it's got to have breathing room. Oh, I've always noticed like, you know, if a friend or somebody, my mom or somebody's like, hey, you know, you want to go do this thing? And I, 99% of the time, if it's a last minute thing, I have to say no, because I mean, I'm booked all the time. So now since I've been creating more space, it's like I actually can say yes to some of these things. And I've had some of the coolest experiences when Mm -hmm. I wasn't even expecting to go for a walk with my neighbor or walk down to Starbucks by myself and I met this really cool person. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Right. You can't plan that. (laughs) You can't. And sometimes those are the most precious moments, I think. Absolutely. Okay. So we have to wrap up, but what would you say... I know. We could just do we, we could have talk to. <laughs> it's like, well, we'll have you back on because there's just yeah. so much to talk about. But talk to me about, you know, a lot of people I've found. So I coach just like you work with a lot of people. Well, you work in therapy. I work in coaching. And then in the yoga world, we do a lot of coaching and in social teacher trainings. And I've found that a lot of people still have this sense of like, well, if I go seek help, especially if it's, I mean, I know a lot of people have it with medication, but I think a lot of people have it with therapy Mm. or counseling of like, if I seek help, I'm weak. Or it's like this thing people don't want to talk about because, you know, mental health is a bad word. And so can we talk about that a little bit so we can get people getting the help that they need? Yeah, it is so true. I hope that that's changing. I hope that the idea of seeking help and doing this kind of therapeutic work is is losing or changing its stigma. Because it's interesting how we tend to really separate mental health from, from physical health. And you and I know they go hand in hand. Um, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> we, I mean, you have a, a cut and you don't just walk around bleeding and ignoring it and letting it get worse and infected until the limb has to be amputated. And so, but how many times do we do that with our life, with our relationships? You don't really think twice. Most of us don't. If you've got a, you know, a serious health illness about seeking professional help to take care of it and to heal from it, whether that involves medication or not, but just the idea of calling the doctor, making an appointment and doing something about it. And yet with mental, emotional, behavioral issues, we'll ignore them and just let that fester till we have no other choice. And like I said before, until the environment, those around us are deciding for us, sort of like pushed into making a change, as opposed to seeing the issue, acknowledging it and being willing to be vulnerable, I think vulnerable enough and courageous enough to, to seek guidance. Yes. It's so funny you said that because I was taking some notes and I just wrote down being vulnerable because 
we just had a teacher meeting and we, have you ever heard of Brene Brown? Oh yes, of course. Love her. Yeah. So her TED talk on vulnerabilities is really, truly amazing. And I was watching her Netflix special and I had all my yoga teachers, we did a whole meeting on it the other day. And it was like, even as yoga teachers who you think like, well, of course, yoga teachers are comfortable with being vulnerable. And here I was with some really high level yoga teachers who admitted like they are not comfortable with it. So, you know, I mean, something as simple, I would think is like, finding people in your life, like who are your friends and are you having real conversations? And, you know, it's like I was with a girlfriend the other day and she has two young kids too. And we we hadn't sat down just us without the kids and forever having lunch. And next thing you know, we're both just like heart open. Here's Mm -hmm. all the stuff going, the real stuff going on. And here's how hard it is right now to be a parent. And here's what's happening. And, and after she just looked at me and she goes, thank you so much for sharing because I feel like it's just, we feel like it's just us and we feel so alone because no one talks about the hard right, stuff. Right, right. It can feel so isolating. But just to start to see that feeling as actually as a strength instead of a weakness, we automatically label it as a weakness. I'm here, I'm looking for help, or I don't want to ask for help because that would say that I'm weak, that I can't handle it all. And while you technically can handle it all. You can do a lot of amazing things. Do you need to? And so I think it's a shift in our thinking that it's a weakness to ask for help, to look for guidance versus seeing it as a strength. You're actually strong enough to say, I want change. That is a beautiful ending. Ah, okay. You just like put it all into basically one quotable, which is pretty Mm -hmm. impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on and being so open and for doing the work that you do because, I mean, really, you make the world a better place every single day. And I think, oh. you know, you just, you can't put a price on it. Okay. So tell them where they can find you. Where can you find me? Well, I'm social, I'm assuming, not right in the moment, right? Well, yeah. So maybe your website <laughs> and your socials yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah so right well, now, I'm at one, two, right five. Now, where, where are you hiding now? <laughs> Um, well, my company, as you mentioned before, is Prana Dynamics. And so, of course, you can find me on the, on the web at pranadynamics.com. Um, that's got all the information on my work and how to, how to contact me and where to find me professionally on Facebook, Instagram, my company named Prana Dynamics. You can also reach out to me personally on Facebook. I'm Tom Allen, T-H-O-M, like Thomas. Uh, and on Instagram, I'm at Yogi Tom. I love it. And Tom's, all your personal stuff is really inspirational as well. So follow him on both because I don't even know that I've ever seen your Prana Dynamics. I tagged you the other day, so I'm following you, but I always see your personal stuff probably just because I comment on it. So it comes up in the algorithm, but um, yeah, he's a good one to follow. He's always posting all the the feel goods. (laughs) I I try. (laughs) I try. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Spark. If you have a few extra minutes, now you've said no to something, right? So you have a few extra minutes. Please do an act of kindness and leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends. It really helps us to get the word out. You can find the show notes at AngelaWagner.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the Angela Wagner. Remember this week to take the time to give thanks, raise a glass and discover what it is that sparks you.